Let me start off this way. I, was, I went to the doctor this week. I know I share these vulnerable stories with our church. I'm like, why? You know, some people say, why do you tell us these things? But, but I went to the doctor this week, and it was just an annual checkup. And so um, we're, just, we're talking, and uh, then she, she said something I really needed to hear. She said, uh, you know, I think you should shed a few pounds. That's what she said to me. And I said, really? I said, like, how many? And she's like, well, maybe start with 10. I'm like, start with 10? Like, <laughs> like, what, like, is there, what do you mean start? Like, what's the end? Is this a one-month commitment, six months, a year? Like, where's the finish line here? I won't tell you the number she gave me, all right? But, but here's the thing. It was very important for me uh, to hear those words from another human being. And not just thinking about it myself, because I obviously have thought about it myself. But the point is that, I, you know, you know something, um, you feel something, right? But hearing it from somebody that is, uh, you know, thinking about your well-being is a whole other different ball game, right? And it's very important because someone else now is speaking into your life. When we think about our, ourselves in different areas of our lives, when we long for change, we long for transformation in all parts of our life, but when we think about that even spiritually, sometimes we cannot see the change we long for realized alone, We can't see the change or the growth that we long for realized all by ourselves. And the influence of others is huge. In fact, God wired us to be in community partly because community is a catalyst for change. Community is a catalyst for transformation. When when we read the the creation narrative in the early pages of of Genesis, uh, we read that, that God said it's not good for man to be alone. And I think part of that was you'll never become who you're meant to be all by yourself. You'll never become who God has called you to be in isolation. You need others around you. And we're in the series called Church As, and we described church as community the first couple of weeks. And last week, we described church as love in our, at our 15th anniversary, that we're established in love. And everything we do moving forward, we want to establish with love. And today, I want to I kind of um, take a shift and talk about the church as soil for transformation. The church is soil for transformation. We know that things often will grow if they have the right environment, they're wired to grow if they have the right environment. And soil is such an important part with, you know, um, with plants and trees and things like that. But I want, I want us to have that image in our mind that the church is soil for transformation. Now, last week we read this prayer in Ephesians chapter 3, and it's a very important prayer for us at Westside because it's a prayer that, you know, has shaped us over the years. And part of this prayer, and I want to skim through it just before we start, is this, it's a prayer for transformation, And as we just skim through some of the parts, here's the first couple of verses. Paul's praying for this church in Ephesus in the first century, and he prays that they, that he may, God may strengthen you with power through a spirit in your inner being. That's a, that's a prayer for transformation. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts for, for, uh, through faith. That's a prayer that we would grow in capacity. So Christ would dwell in our hearts and work in our hearts. As, as the prayer continues, we can read that Paul prays that you would know this love that surpasses knowledge. In other words, you don't know it fully now. You could, I long for you to know it even more in a way that surpasses your knowledge. That you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Again, that's a stretch. That we would grow towards that. Paul ends this prayer um, and he says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. 
So as we looked at that prayer last week, we had this sense that, that there's a prayer for, for more to take place and this belief that it's possible, but how do we get there? You know, we live in a culture that's very individualistic, that uh, very much plays towards our needs. You know, do this for your benefit. Try this for your success. You know, follow this so you can get ahead here. Read this so you could be smarter. And often the, our culture kind of bombards us with this, with this individualism that all of this is for me and I have to do it. And if I do X, Y, and Z, then I will be better. And Christianity can sometimes feel similar. It, it's, it's, it's unfortunate that the church, you know, across especially the Western world, often feels similar because we live in a sea of individualism. And the church exists, at least where we live, in a sea of individualism and consumerism. And we're influenced by that. And so often, when someone says, how can I grow? Or I ask the question, how do you grow? Often someone will say, well, I read this. Um, there's this uh, thing that a lot of tradition, some traditional churches will have called the daily bread. You know, it's like, I read the daily bread every day. That's what I do, all by myself, but I read it every day. I listen to this podcast and this speaker and I follow this channel and I do these things, but none of it requires other people. It's like all by myself. If I do these things, then I'm going to grow or be what God calls me to be. Yet Paul's prayer, when he prays this, he has the church in mind. When he specifically talks about growing in our experience of his love, he says, together with all of God's people. When he prays about what God can do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine, he, he says, according to your power at work within us. Not just you, not just me, but within us. And so this letter to the Ephesian continues, and uh, we see it in chapters in our letter, in our Bibles, but in chapter 4, verse 11 to 16, we get a sense of how this transformation happens. What's the soil of this transformation? What's the soil of this growth? How do we grow into God, what God longs for us? So I want to read chapter 4, verse 11 to um, 16. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn to there or follow along if there's, if there's no screen still here. Maybe we should do it like a, buy a video projector too for next time. But we're, we're getting there. So um, it's coming. But here, let's just listen to this. Chapter 4, verse 11. So Christ, now Paul's writing to the same people where this prayer was shared in chapter 3. And his heart, his theme continues. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here or there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. And there's so much here that we could talk about, but listen to the goals, the vision, the desire that Paul is, is writing about. Think of the growth that he talks about. He says that we would reach unity in a faith, so the core belief of who Jesus is and what he's done. The unity of faith, 
unity and knowledge of Jesus Christ or the Son of God, that as we grow, we would grow into maturity, and he uses that word later on in this, in this, in this section, that we would grow in maturity, in growing to become people of discernment, and people of faithfulness and people of stability, he talks about that we would grow to, to discover the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. The whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That's Paul's desire when he says, is there something you're reaching for as a church? Is there something you're reaching for in your walk with Christ? Think about these things. Unity of faith and knowledge of Christ. Maturity. The whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Built up in love. And so when you think about this, we have to ask the question, well, what environment helps us grow towards that? And it's too easy for us as Christians to say, Jesus, you know, because the answer for everything in the church is Jesus. And it's true. Jesus has accomplished everything on the cross for us. And his grace at work in us transforms us. It's also easy to say the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit works in us. And moves and breathes and, and, and God, by God's very spirit, even Paul's prayer, you know, God, the power of God working in us. But what's the environment that we grow in? And it's the church. God designed the church to be a formational environment. God did, designed the church to be a transformational environment. The soil in which our transformation would take place. And Paul helps us understand how the church does this. He first talks about these different roles that Jesus himself envisioned for the church. He says, Christ gave the church, and he lists at least five here, apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, pastors, or shepherds. There's this plurality in this list that that Jesus gave these gifts. Yes, we talk about them as people, an apostle, a prophet, a pastor a teacher, evangelist, but their gifts that Jesus has given to the church, by his grace, he has called and enabled uh, people within the body of Christ with the gift of apostleship or prophet or evangelism or teaching, shepherding, pastoring. And that each gift or role would help the church be all that it's meant to be so the church together would be ministering to each other in the world. That each gift or church would help us be all that we're called to be because God designed the church to function with these roles kind of as guides and equippers. I like to call them like the coach player role. One author, his name is J.R. Woodward, he he writes this. He says, I propose that the church ought to be led by a spirit-gifted, polycentric team of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers who model and equip their fellow priests, fellow priests, We're all priests, we're all ministers. In the communal way of life, patterned after our triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit. Then we can more fully follow Christ into the world, for the sake of the world, by the power of the Holy Spirit, where we seek God to join God in the renewal of all things. That only happens when we're equipped together as the body of Christ. I think about the season we're in and, you know, in the middle of a shift as well, getting into this space, renovating this space, uh, sacrificing together as a church community to raise funds for this space, the, the work involved, I mentioned you know, some of our Kids Quest team and other people who are just serving in all different kinds of capacities, uh, not just for the space, but for ministry. And I, I just, I have to like say, we could not have arrived at this season as a church with one or two people, with a pastor or a, a leader or a a teacher or it was a plural 
use of our gifts given to us by God's grace to be used for his purposes, for the sake of the world, for the sake of the church, so we could minister to one another in the world. It was a plural thing. But we, we could, it just couldn't have happened. It just, just couldn't have happened without that. And here's how we see the church being the soil for transformation. And it's the, these three ingredients for the soil of the church. The first is, you know, how, how does this soil shape us or form us? Or uh, what's, how is it an environment for growth? So the first thing is this equipping idea. Paul says that, at least with these gifts, but just the idea of equipping. Equipping enables us to live a life following Jesus. Equipping is different than learning. You can learn. You can gain information. You can gain knowledge. You can listen to a podcast. You can read a book. Equipping is meant, is learning that leads to action. Is learning that leads to life. It's learning that leans towards action because you become equipped for something. So you can read an amazing book on courage, but as a church, we want to equip each other to be courageous in a secular world. We can read about mission all we want, but as a church, we need to be equipped to be witnesses in a world that's longing for hope. i never forget, I was in Thailand with a group of people, and this uh, one man that I met, Greg, super guy, and we've become friends since, he asked me this question, I don't remember, somewhere in the country of Thailand. I can't remember exactly, but the question is just is stuck in my mind forever. And he asked me this question. He says, Dave, how is your church equipping each other to be on mission for Montreal specifically? I'm like, oh my gosh. I don't know if I ever answered that question. And it was a, such an important question because we live in a city with, uh, you know, that has its own unique features and culture and, and God's called us to be here. And so when we talk about equipping we're, we're called to be equipped to be witnesses in our city that longs for meaning and hope. We need to be equipped in what it means to live a peaceful life in the middle of a culture that, that esteems violence. What it means to be loving in a culture that promotes individualism. What it means to be generous in a culture that promotes consumerism. It's not just about learning these things. It's about being equipped to live it that way. So often we talk about being equipped to listen to God. I think one of the most um, beautiful signs of maturity in a, in a Christ follower's life is when they begin to grow to listen to God's voice and then ask the question, what must I do now? Listening to God's voice and then responding. Last night I had the, the chance to be in one of our community groups. It's a group that's been forming and growing a little bit in, in the in Ville Saint Laurent area. And they asked me to come by and, and um, facilitate a couple of things with them. And it was great. It was awesome. The food was good too. But, but the, um, yeah, that goes against what my doctor told me this week. But, but anyways, uh, the idea was we, we just did a simple thing. We, we read through the Lord's Prayer. And um, one of my, my heartbeat for sharing the Lord's Prayer was not that we just, they just, we just read the Lord's Prayer. My heartbeat, what I told them, I said, listen, what we're doing right now for the next 10 minutes, you can do in the morning. You can do on a break at lunch. You can do with two, three other Christ followers. My heart was not just that we learn the Lord's Prayer, recite it. It was that how can we be equipped to let the Lord's Prayer speak into our hearts and lives and allow that to shape our prayers, our actions, our decisions. We need to be equipped in what it means to forgive when we've been hurt or to 
build and nurture healthy relationships in a world where relationships are breaking down. And so part of the soil of the church being a transformational environment is the fact that we must be equipped, I must be equipped, and I long to equip, we equip each other for life and ministry. And it's this next ingredient that fits with equipping, and it's this idea. Paul says that you'd be equipped for works of service. Because the church, and Paul will describe it in another letter to the Romans, to, first, to the Corinthian church, that we're a body. We all have different uh, functions, unique gifts, where we serve together. And so Paul says that his, his desire is that the church would be equipped for works of service so that we learn to serve one another. That's what ministry is. You know, sometimes ministry sounds like a church word, right? And, uh, you know, why is ministry different than the word volunteer? Uh, I know we talk about volunteers, but ministry, the word ministry, means what we do for others for their growth, for their encouragement, for their, uh, for their wholeness, for their well-being. When we encourage, when we enrich, when we equip, when we help, when we comfort. And this happens in the church. When we learn to serve one another, Amy was sharing her story about just growing uh, within Kids Quest ministry, and she saw that this was something that God was using others to minister to her and her kids. She became not just the participant or the recipient, she became the one serving. So others will benefit. So when we talk about mentors in Kids Quest, they're facilitating a child's discovery of God and walking with this child in a season where they need a friend, where they're navigating questions, when they need courage, when they need someone to listen to them or pray for them. That's ministry. Even Heather was serving today at the Connection Hub and she helps navigate someone coming in or needs to know a next step or, or uh, you know, like something we talk about that someone can, can make a next step with or maybe how to grow spiritually. That's ministry. We're serving one another. Youth leaders were here on Friday night and there was ministry happening to walk with youth during a season in their life where we long for them to know Jesus and be courageous in this season. And I think of our group leaders or others that are praying with people and nurturing community with them. Just, just last week, um, we were, you know, I wanted to, last week I wanted to pray for Barbara publicly, but I, I, it slipped my mind. And then after the gathering, because she's been walking through um, just uh, uh, some sickness and she's here today and it's amazing. But I saw two guys just go over to her at the end of the gathering, knowing her need and just praying for her. And that's ministry where the body of Christ ministers to one another. Two, three weeks earlier, I saw a, a young dad go over to a, a, a young um, a student or someone in their 20s and just pray for them in the gathering. And that, that's ministry. That's discerning what's going on in each other's lives and coming around each other and we're ministering to each other. We've done financial peace for a while and, and Marlene Gallant has led that. And when I see Marlene with people, she doesn't just teach a class. She longs to sit with people, to see people be freed from the bondage of debt and to grow in financial freedom and to find peace in their lives and increased joy and the capacity to make a difference. And when I see her sit with people, both in groups and one-on-one, that's ministry. So someone's life would be transformed. I've seen Terry and Sue Gunter with, and, and more than them, other people as group leaders or others, sit with people, counsel them, walk them through a difficult season, listen and slowly dissect the complexity of someone's life. That's ministry. 
that's helping someone see transformation in their life that they could not see done alone, where we partner with what the Holy Spirit's doing in the work of Christ. We're serving one another. And, and when we think about that, bring those two pieces together, equipping and serving. What we're doing is we are really growing so we can help others grow. I wrote, I wrote this line this way, two different ways. And, and Amy said, how can, you know, when we bring something to a simple um, phrase for kids, I just, I'm the kid in the situation, so I bring a simple phrase for me. It helps me remember it. So here's, we grow so we can minister. We minister so others can grow. Really simple. We grow, we're equipped so we can minister, and then we minister so others can grow. Now, for some people who need just a one-liner, here's the next line. We grow so others can grow. That's really simple enough, like six words. We, we grow, we're equipped, so others can grow. That's the heart of serving each other in the body of Christ. Years ago, um, when our family was part of um, a church in Ville-Saint-Pierre, Lachine area, and it was a unique area of Ville-Saint-Pierre, especially at the time, especially 20 years ago. Um, and so we had, like, it was, it was a poorer area, and we served people in different capacities, and it was really, really uh, great to be there in that season. There was one guy, he came to the church, showed up one day. He was in his mid-50s. His name was Jean-Guy. And Jean-Guy was a great guy. He had a, an incredible, I loved, like, he had a really, like, just your typical French accent out of Ville-Saint-Pierre, you know? And, uh, and I, I, we loved him. And he, but he came from a really difficult life. This guy, you know, if you would have known him at the top of his game, he was like one of, one of the most capable uh, construction workers um, putting glass on, on high-rises. Like he was the kind of guy that could, that could walk, I, I freak out even just doing this, that, that can walk along a little thing and, and, you know, put glass on the, you know, 15 stories high and he knows what he's doing and everything. And that was him at his prime. But mental illness set in and alcohol uh, substance use set in and that combination and his life just went downhill. And his family and his wife were all estranged from him. And he lived in that neighborhood and, and we got to meet him. He just showed up one day and, and uh, he, he just started coming to, to the church. He just needed connection. And we saw... Jean-Guy, in his way, come to know Jesus. Even with some of the limitations he had because of the, the constant substance abuse over years and, and combined with, with his mental illness, we saw a genuine turning of his heart towards the Lord. It was beautiful. He would come in sometimes, he'd knock on the door, and he'd, like, he'd say, like, I forget if he's a pastor or master. And I tell people, just call me David. But back then, he's like, Master Dave. I'm like... <laughs> I'm a master of no trade. But anyways, <laughs> now, when we saw him grow, here's, here's the thing. Jean-Guy, um, unfortunately, we got the call one day that he had passed away suddenly. And, um, and so his illnesses took over and he died. And we went to the, to the funeral that was at the funeral home, but then our church decided to do a memorial for him in the neighborhood. And... Um, over that time up leading up to his death, because of the work of God in his life and the community connection, um, Jean-Guy's sons actually started to talk to him again. And his ex-wife, though they stayed divorced, she, they became friends again. So there was relationships rebuilt. 
And he was so happy because he was able to get his son started in the same business that he was in, like in that construction business with the, with the glass and everything. And even though he had his limitations, he knew how to help him move forward and the, the old connections he had. And we remember that, that memorial service, his, his sons came and his ex-wife came and people came. And we were so grateful because we realized Jean-Guy, even though he passed away, he didn't pass away with his sons remembering an estranged father. But he passed away with a a renewed relationship with his kids and with his ex-wife. And when I think of all the pieces, all the people, all the gifts within the church that was the soil for his transformation... That's so important. Here's one last ingredient, and it's um, truth speaking. Paul says that if we're going to grow together, we need to be a community that speaks the truth in love. And one of the, one of the ingredients of, of a soil for transformation is truth speaking to one another in love. And when, now this is hard because many of us love affirmation. Awesome. I mean, if Ricardo comes up to me later and says, you know, Dave, thank you for this morning's talk. Great. But if he comes up to me and says, Dave, you said something today I I have to confront you on. That's a little harder, right? Hopefully it's legit. But, you know, and so that's harder, right? When you hear truth like that, speaking truth in love, when this happens, something extraordinary happens because the Holy Spirit's at work among us and wise counsel that we receive truth that, we're, that we receive, that we hear, that sometimes we're confronted with, maybe a belief that we need to be reminded of, this happens from each other. Paul says, speak the truth in love. There's blind spots in your life and my life that we need to hear from those around us, and that's okay. And the beauty of the church and why it's a soil for transformation is because the church should be the place where we don't have to hide, where we don't have to have pretense, where we don't have to pretend, where we can, be, we, we can recognize that, you know what, someone is, is there for my good. Tim Keller, who's a pastor in New York City, um, now moving on to other things, really incredible author, uh, I read, I read uh, um, something that one of people, someone who worked with him for 10 years said this about him. And he said, Tim Keller, whenever he'd get criticism, he would never turn it away. He always decided in that moment, even if the criticism was out of left field and, and, and not, fully, not really the, the context, he would always say, I'm going to find the kernel of truth in this criticism for me. And that's amazing. If we could all find the kernel of truth when people speak into our lives, God uses people to speak truth into our lives. There was this, um, uh, someone in our church several years ago who just took a detour uh, from their path in following Christ and kind of the decisions that they had longed to make. And um, we were connected with them and others as well. And we really, you know, there was some truth spoken to them. And we didn't know where this was going to go. And um, remember, there, there was a moment that happened in this person's life where God just used um, a certain moment to trigger their awareness of, of the direction they were heading in. And the truth that was spoken to her when they didn't want to hear it in the time came back to her. And there was a moment when this person came over our, our house and maybe 10 of us from the church came around them and we just had a moment of 
literally no pretense and open conversation and prayer for one another. And there was healing that happened in that moment, in that process. Because truth was received and spoken in love. Something extraordinary happens when truth is spoken in love. But here's the thing. When we think about this, the soil of transformation, right? Equipping, service, truth speaking in love. But some of us will miss it. Some of you will miss it. And sometimes I might miss it. And here's why we will sometimes miss it. And I'm going to close with this. Because our culture promotes this Lone Ranger mentality. And when we have a Lone Ranger mentality, we will miss the equipping. We will miss the serving opportunities to us and for us to others. We will be blinded or disregard the truth speaking. We will say things like, I don't need their ministry. We will say something like, you know what, I'm smarter than them. We might not say it, but we think it. We might say something like, my kids will be fine without that environment. I'm going to take care of them myself. It's fine. I don't need to partner with other people. We might say like, I don't want that person telling me this. Why? Who are they to tell me this? We might say something like, I don't want others to know what I'm going through. I don't want anybody to know what I'm going through. Maybe this is a real spiritual answer. The Bible's enough for me. Thank you very much. I'm going to just read my Bible by myself. The word says it. I believe it. I'll do it. I don't need anybody else. And we forget that the Bible came to us through the church. And we say these things. We'll say, mentors are good for Kids Quest. Maybe youth, but for me, I don't need a mentor. And so we take this Lone Ranger approach to life and to spiritual transformation, and we miss out on being equipped, on being served or serving others, on being spoken to with love and receiving that, or maybe even the opportunity to speak into someone else's life. And all that is is pride and a sense of elitism and extreme intellectualism or some kind of individualism, and we miss out. We miss out. There's a verse in James chapter 5, verse 16. James says these words, and if we would have the Lone Ranger approach, we could never experience what James says. James says this, confess your sins to each other so you will be healed. Lone Rangers will never experience that. People who think they're smarter than everybody else will never experience that. Someone who feels that they're better will never experience that. Transformation comes when we in community um, live within the soil of transformation and, and grow together. My personal growth wouldn't happen or wouldn't have happened. I, I, I guarantee it. There's areas I still need to grow in, but wherever I have grown, I guarantee it would not have happened if the church was not part of my life, my circle. I'm going to ask the team to come up. We're going to close um, with one song and just worship together. But I want to just challenge us, just this last thought. Let's be, and I'll ask you, be the kind of person that receives that, that receives the equipping, that receives the ministry, that receives the truth speaking, and let's be the kind of church that offers that to one another. And when we do that, when, we're, when we become the kind of people that can receive that, and when we, as we become growing increasingly the church that offers that to one another, we create this soil for transformation. And spiritual growth will happen and continue to happen. Now, maybe a next step for you is just your posture. Maybe your posture is stopping you. And you, your next step is, Lord, I need to change my posture because I'm not allowing any of this in. 
Maybe part of your next step is a decision to become a servant, to be involved in ministry and say, I will be one that offers this to others. Maybe it's sometimes just being vulnerable and saying, I will receive truth and love. I'm not sure what your next step is, but I believe what those next steps are, whether it's your posture, a decision to serve, a vulnerability, uh, joining a, a group or a serving team, I know that what, what those next steps are, we can grow together and serve one another. Amen? So we're going we're gonna to end this way. And, and here's, the, here's this last verse, and I'll say this as, as the team sings because we're going to end with our focus on Jesus today. Jesus said that wherever two or three are gathered in his name, he's there. So... We can't have a soil for transformation as a church community if Jesus isn't present. He is the source. And and look what Paul says in the last verse, verse 16. From him, Jesus, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. From him, Jesus, the whole body. The whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament, will grow and build itself up in love as each of us does our part. Um, I'm going to ask you to stand, and we're going to end our gathering focusing on Jesus. The team's going to lead us in a song that lifts up Christ, and um, and then I'll come up and, and wrap up with a word of prayer. So let's worship together. Jesus is the source of everything we talked about. From him, the body, the church grows by the power of the Holy Spirit. And yet God designed the church to be the soil of our growth, the soil of our transformation. Take a moment and look to Jesus. Welcome the work of the Holy Spirit in your heart right now. I encourage you to think about discerning a next step maybe it's a shift in your posture maybe it's an openness to vulnerability perhaps it's a decision to engage with our local body to serve and give and grow so you can not just be on the growing side but you can be on the ministering side God might be reminding you of a need to rework your schedule, to carve out time, to be a participant in his mission, in this local expression of his church. Community group or a serving team or even environments like this. but if you specifically need prayer in any specific way today before you leave don't, don't leave without being prayed for or maybe to chat with someone and so you can come maybe off to the side of the front here when, when we close and we'll have one or two people available to pray uh, for you or with you God thank you for the 
for how you designed your church. Thank you that uh, part of the ingredients of what it means to be a local church community, that is equipping to be equipped to serve and then be ministered to as well. To receive truth and love and to grow in maturity how to discern and also be one who speaks truth in love with a posture of love. Thank you for the constant reminder. Sometimes we desire to fix people or fix each other and yet, Lord, you've told us that the church will be built up in love, that as Christ, who is our head, we grow up into him. As each of us does our part, so we will be built up in love. So may the ways we serve or minister or give or speak, or maybe at times even confront, God, may we always pursue the posture of love. God, help us to see our blind spots as a church, areas where we need to grow, ingredients in our soil that are missing so we can grow healthier and really be a true environment, a community of grace and truth where we and others and people we don't even know yet can grow into the kind of people that you long for us to be and the kind of community you long for us to be as a witness to our world. So we surrender to that, that vision, that goal, that desire. And may it, the work of your Holy Spirit um, accomplish that in us, Lord, as we work with one another and serve one another. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.